It's the intersection of politics and economics. Wall Street, K Street, Main Street, and your street, The Difference. I'm Dan O'Donnell alongside the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. And we're really seeing the intersection of some bombed out streets in Ukraine and your street with uh, a whole lot of what I would consider to be some of the most unsettling news about the Ukraine war since Russia first invaded a little more than a year ago. And that is that, A, Russia has gotten out of the START nuclear treaty, mm -hmm. and also that China is going to be far more active in its support of its ally, Russia, moving forward. It, it, it sort of feels like what, what did... Uh, Oh, who is the Supreme Court candidate who wrote Slouching Toward Gomorrah back in the 1980s. Uh, it feels like we're slouching toward World War Three. Yeah, it doesn't feel good, right? And so you look at Putin's reaction to, of course, our president going over and, and hugging the president of Ukraine and saying that all of this support is going to be there and NATO is going to be there. So that was a reaction clearly to what we did. And as you said, China talking about, you know, first of all, when China went over there, I thought perhaps they were going to try to broker some ceasefire, but that does not look like what's happening. And that would not be good for a lot of people if China begins to back the Russians in this conflict, because as we all know, they're the second biggest economy in the world. And I, I'm trying to square that, Dan. The reason why, why would they do that? Because the United States remains their huge, a huge, their largest trading partner. And if they continue to do that, sanctions will be set. And, and the relationship between China and the United States will get worse. And, and of course, they're still eyeing up Taiwan. So all of that right. is very unsettling, as you said. He, well, here's my theory. Here's my theory on it. By the way, it was Robert Bork, whose yeah, name right. I couldn't think of, slouching right. towards Gamora. Uh, my thought is that China feels right now particularly emboldened because you've got an enfeebled American president in Joe Biden who has something like, what, 40 percent of Democrats, his most ardent supporters, don't want him to run for president again. Not only that, we're in a period of sky high inflation in the United States. Okay, mm -hmm. we have had how many rate hikes over the past several months? The Federal Reserve has taken unprecedented efforts to slow down inflation. It hasn't worked. If there are new sanctions on China, the price for everything that comes from China goes up, putting inflation even higher. Mm -hmm. Right before a presidential election year in which the incumbent is feeling particularly uh, uh, vulnerable. Right. Right. My guess is if China was ever going to sort of escalate a trade war that was sort of started under former President Donald Trump, this would be the time to do it. That's always been my thinking that if China wants to be aggressive, now is the time. Why else do you think they have a highly visible spy balloon traverse the entire United States a couple of weeks back? It's because they feel more emboldened, I think, than ever before. If that is all true, it's still, to me, does not square. That doesn't mean, of course, that I'm right. It's just one man's opinion. But they would certainly put a, a major dent in the relationship with their largest trading partner. And of course, that has ramifications not only with China, but Taiwan and Vietnam and, and India. And, and there's, so the ramifications would be significant. And I can tell you, after doing this for 38 years, I, I'm going to wait to see what really happens here. You know, it, it's, there's a possibility 
that they might be able to come out of this thing looking okay. But at the same time, you've got, as you said, interest rates uh, staying high. The 10-year Treasury ticked off uh, just short of 4%, which is unbelievable from where it was. And the Federal Reserve now, you know, they were talking about perhaps a pivot late 23 or early 24 of lowering interest rates. That does not appear to be in the cards at the moment. So let me play uh, the devil's advocate, though. What sure. if what if inflation does begin to come down because all of these, now we have had uh, eight Fed rate hikes and likely one more coming at least and all of this lagging effect does come into inflation coming down late 23 into early 24 as Biden begins to run, if he's lucky enough for to have that work out. But as you said, you know, he would be, what, 82 years old when he would mm-hmm. be, uh, I mean, that's, yeah. that's incredible. And so that I can see why the Democrats uh, feel the way that they do. Well, especially since it seems more and more likely that Republicans are moving away from former President Trump. I mean, if Trump runs, then the age issue is not nearly as big a factor because Mm -hmm. they can say, well, Trump is only four years younger than Biden. Trump would be 78 if he were to win a non-consecutive term. This would be incredibly old as well. But if Republicans run someone like Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who's only 44 years old, then that contrast becomes very, very apparent. Mm -hmm. And I think Democrats are clearly concerned about DeSantis's ascendancy. It's it's obvious to anyone who pays attention to politics that they want to run against Donald Trump. They've already beaten Donald Trump. They know the blueprint for beating Donald Trump. And I just saw a poll that says 57% of Republicans don't want Trump to run again. If he's got that much trouble amongst his base, the numbers for independence is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 75 to 80 percent who don't want him to run again. And of course, so so how, so how does how does he win a general election? Of course, is the big key. But I don't I don't think he does. Right. Uh, but look I'm at DeSantis. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Yeah. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't see a path for Trump to win. Right. If Republicans run DeSantis. And, and, and what a resume that guy has. Right. And I, I don't see a path for him losing, okay, because Biden has been such a disaster. The way I have always looked at this was the election of 1980. And if you take a look at the midterm that we just went through, it is a direct parallel to 1978. Jimmy Carter, as I'm sure you remember, Dave, yep. was a disaster of a president almost from the get-go. And Republicans were expecting to win just everything there was to win in the 1978 midterms. They didn't. It was a huge disappointment. Why? Because the shadow of Richard Nixon still hung over that party. Democrats were saying, okay, we know Carter's not great, but look, the Republicans are the party of Nixon. Once they moved past that with a charismatic governor named Ronald Reagan, they dominated politics for the next 12 years, primarily because you had this move past Nixon and a contrasting conservative vision. I see the same potential in 2024 if Republicans reject the past, reject Trump, and move forward with Ron DeSantis. This isn't, oh, Dan's a never Trump or anything. like. I'm a political realist. And the, the reality is, is that a big reason Republicans underperformed in 2022, it wasn't the abortion issue or anything like that. It was that the specter of Trump hung over the party. What was Biden 
Biden's own mission right after Labor Day. Remember the big speech in Philadelphia where he's bathed in red light and talking about Republicans being a danger to America. He was talking about Trump and his supporters. Was it unfair? Yes. Was it probably the most unbecoming thing I've ever seen a president say about American citizens? Absolutely. But the reality is, is that there are a lot of people who would otherwise vote for Republican or otherwise could be persuaded to vote against the disaster that has been the Biden presidency who won't if Trump is on the ballot. All right, a couple things. Number one, a single-term Democratic president in a high-inflation environment. Yep, Jimmy Carter and currently exactly. and, cur and currently Biden. But, you know, you talk about charismatic. I'm not sure that everyone knows uh, DeSantis's background, but it is really impressive. Yeah, it is. I mean, he is a congressman. He's got a military background. He's an absolute genius. He has completely turned around the state of Florida. People forget he won in 2018, admittedly a bad midterm because of, yes, the specter of Donald Trump in the White House. It was a huge year for Democrats. He won with a, a, just a shade over 50% of the vote. He barely eked out Andrew Gillum, who turned out to be a drug addict, who was found passed out naked in a motel room. So Florida sort of dodged that bullet. <laughs> in 2022, he won by 20 points. Yep. He won by 20 in what was just four years ago, the definition of a swing state. Nearly every single county in Florida voted for Ron DeSantis. Every single statewide Republican didn't just win, but crushed in a year in which, let's face it, Republicans underperformed. And what does Trump do? He immediately, after that midterm, and, and this is the thing that I think turned off his base more than anything else, immediately started attacking DeSantis for somehow being disloyal because DeSantis was it's rather obvious. DeSant Ron DeSanctimonious, he calls him. I, I want to get your thoughts on this as a, a full-blooded Italian. I, I'm only 50%. He calls him Meatball Ron. I know, that's crazy. And everybody is just kind of, this is, this is on the heels of calling his own uh, transportation secretary, Elaine Chow, who just happens to be the wife of Mitch McConnell, he calls her Coco Chow. Like, do we do we just kind? Are we just kind of like cool with the casual xenophobia now? I, I'm sorry, as as someone who, you know, always defended Trump when he was in office, I, I'm just not going to do it if he's going to behave like the liberals who are just unhinged in their attacks against him. Yeah, and we're starting to see that. And of course, it continues to happen across the spectrum. And of course, yeah, I don't think that's going to play out. I know, I think people have had it between going up to going through COVID and then, of course, now all the economic stresses. You know, I think people are really on the edge. I don't know if they want to they want to go through another battle like that again. So leading from the, from the front uh, in DeSantis, we'll see. You know, Nikki Haley, there's a lot of great names that you're going to see. Yeah. We'll have to see that out. But, of course, the other side of that that we haven't talked about is the current policies of the current administration. And, of course, that really means that the people, you know, people vote their pocketbook, Dan, as you well know. And that is going to continue to be a stressor is that interest rates are going to stay higher. Uh, inflation is is not going away. And, of course, energy prices, you know, they're, they're low at the moment because of all the strategic petroleum reserves that have been put out there in part. Now, Russia is, is cutting back on their supply and shipping it around the world. And so that means that energy prices 
are likely to go higher into the summer. On top of everything else, mortgage rates higher, inflation higher, that certainly means that people's pocketbooks are going to be hit. So that is the reason why you talk about the the, the impact of all of this together, and confidence is decreasing. We see that, and that is a concerning point. There is a high likelihood that we will see a recession late 23 or early 24, more than 50% chance. And, of course, uh, can you win going uh, win a presidential election when there's a recession going on? Uh, there isn't a lot of evidence of that in the past. So uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to watch all of the politics and economics that are coming together that are going to make people uncomfortable. And as volatility starts to pick up, know what you own. Why do you own a particular investment? Is there high-cost products in your portfolio? Is it aligned to take advantage of all of the facts and circumstances today? To go through that, make sure that you're operating on a financial plan, and that's, what, as you well know, what we do on a daily basis. And that website, again, AnnexWealth.com. We always talk about getting that wealth metric. It's free. It's a review of your portfolio. Make sure you're working with a fee-only fiduciary who is working with and for you at all times. That's what Annex Wealth Management offers. And that is why I am a big, big fan. I am also, Dave, as we've got just a couple of minutes uh, in this podcast, I am also a big, big fan of artificial intelligence. Yeah. Because I, I for one, welcome our new robot overlords. No. <laughs> uh, well, just, but it's coming. But, you know, you're talking it about... It is coming. Well, it's transformative uh, technology. No the question, question I guess I have is, are some of the big tech giants today, the, the metas, the alphabets, all of this, could they be like the Xerox Corporation of generations past, where we're seeing these upstarts really get into this new technology space? And could we see the disruptors yep. of 10, 15 years ago themselves being disrupted? Yeah, there's there's certainly investments in that opportunity. But the difference is, you know, companies that we're talking about, the large companies can write a check for any one of these companies and likely True. will. And That's so, a great point. And so they, they could take them out. But I, I think for sure we're going to see more AI. But, you know, it goes back to we were talking about the imbalance of job openings or not. You know, technology's coming in that space as well. We all have become accustomed to the kiosk, either, you know, either in the airport yep. or going to McDonald's or whatever. That, that is going to replace a lot of these jobs as well. And so AI certainly is not going to be less in our life. It's going to be more. So investment opportunities in that space are certainly real. So I guess the only real question I have is how soon before you replace me as I podcast co-host? So with an AI? funny! I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> ChatGPT, be Dan O'Donnell for just <laughs> yes. a second. It's basically well. You I just might try talk that. About I'm going to try that. I'm going to. I'm going to put you, know you in. That would be fun. You know what we should do, Dave? <laughs> Seriously. You and I should have ChatGPT as a third podcast host just to demonstrate the technology. <laughs> always, always fun. And you never know. It, it, it might sound like me. It might talk like me. But one day you might open up this podcast and it might be an AI talking with Dave Spano we'll to see. you. I am Dan O'Donnell in the flesh, at least for now. He's Dave Spano. Always uh, have a lot of fun. And thank you for listening to this week's edition of The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. 
The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.